Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. How's it going, everybody? Happy Friday. I don't know if that really exists anymore, but whatever. Ben, how we doing today, buddy? Hey, pay your bills. I know. I keep these pile of bills have been sitting here since uh, we've been here, D. I got to pay them, man. Hey, D, man, remind me to pay my bills. I, I better. I hardly pay mine. <laughs> I better definitely better pay that electric bill since this oh, show oh. is running on the hey, electricity. Hey, we may get a shortened version of the Ben Jarofsky show today. <laughs> <All of> a sudden, <laughs> I got a phone bill in there. I got a, oh, God, oh, I got to pay my bill. I know from experience, like, you can go months without paying your electric bill. Uh, well, it would be an interesting experiment because we may be doing that. I had a buddy who went 15 months. Months. <laughs> they turned off the electricity? Then they turned off the electricity. All right. I moved in with him, and I'm like, hey, man, how come there's no electric bill coming through? He's like, oh, dude, wait, I don't pay that. <laughs> like, huh? And a month in, while I'm living with the, uh, in that place, power down. 15 months. All right, we have a little leeway here. I, I'm usually very dutiful. As soon as I get a bill, I pay it. I'm obsessive about that. I don't like bills mounting oh, up. Oh, rub but it in, rich guy. Sometimes <laughs> can't afford the bills. But since coronavirus has hit, I'm in the same predicament you are. Denny land. I'm in Denny land. I'm living in Denny land. Uh, and so it's like, eh, I think I'll scale a little bit on those bills. And, uh, you know, they, but you notice they've been sitting in the same pile of bills. Has been sitting there for yeah. about a month. You guys hear that train coming? Oh, Let's open the window. Open it up. Chicka, Let's chicka, let everybody chicka, hear this chicka. thing, huh? You won't get this on WBEZ. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now, all right? Here comes a train. Oh, it's the brown line train. How ironic. <laughs> Holy cow. Is that the screaming eagle at Six Flags? No, it's Ben's house. Oh, yes. Ah, shut that. Okay, your Ben Jarofsky show. The brown line. <laughs> Who is that? That's my easy ironic oh. thing. Your Bendrowski show is just moments away. Hey, unions, thanks for sponsoring us. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thanks again, unions. And of course, today's Bendrowski show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of labor live stream chat what's happening thanks for joining us benny j give us a friday song of the day i don't know why i'm thinking of this song it's a friday but it's a monday in my mind nothing to do but frown rainy days and monday oh is get me down come on d sing (laughs) you know the you know the group that sings that d no apparently our live stream audience uh, knows the songs that you sing so uh, i've never heard that god Bless the live stream audience. Uh, that, of course, is the Carpenters, Dennis's favorite group from the 70s. They were much maligned throughout the 70s and the 80s. But then, like, all of a sudden, in the 90s, hipsters discovered them. They, it's like, oh, I love the Carpenters. I was like, yeah, I'm finally hip. It lasted for, like, six months. Find them at Logan Square, guys. All right. <laughs> the Vendrowski Show starts now. <laughs> It's Friday, April 24th, and live from Ben's house, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. (laughs) 
Today on the program, it's the return of the director of the Black Harvest Film Festival over the phone, Sergio Mims. And now your host, director of nothing, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Trump Disinfectant Friday. And here's why. Well, before I take the deep dive, I just got this really depressing news. I think the New York Times just sent one of its flashes. I think the tr- the deficit is over like trillion dollars a day or something like that. Well, that one sounds Unemployment important. is soaring. The oh. last one, last time that happened, it was just like, eh, eh, parks are shut down. <laughs> I, I would take parks are shut down over this depressing news. But you know what, folks? Look on the good side. Your president is on top of things, all right? We're talking about president disinfected. All right, it's my way of saying that yesterday I watched President Trump at a briefing. Haven't watched one of those uh, in a while. D. I also watched Governor Pritzker's briefing. Haven't done that in a while. So it was like I had contrasting briefings. It'd be like in the old days when they would assign me, Ben, your story for today, I haven't had a story assignment in a long time, but back in the old days, I used to get, your story for today, this is way old days, like 80s old days, your story for today is compare and contrast the two briefings, the governor's briefing and the president's briefing. I'm like, okay, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. That's my typewriter, me getting down to work. So <clears throat> let's start with the president, all right? <laughs> uh, what a president. All right, so... Uh, uh, let me give you the headlines. Uh, your president is insane, everybody. Your president <laughs> is crazy. Either that or he's a clown. How about this? He's a crazy clown. Not sure else what to say or how to say it. Can't sugarcoat it. This, of course, uh, is my way of getting at the briefing yesterday where the president essentially recommended that Americans try Lysol. Well, that's an exaggeration. It disinfects- hey, I got some of that. <laughs> Here you go. Here we go. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You got problems with coronavirus? Just take an injection of that stuff. The Lysol. Uh, by the way, can I just shout out to Vicky, uh, Dennis's mom? She's so great. She's hey, looking producer, out. producer Vicky. Producer Vicky. Yeah, let's give her a promotion. She is really looking out for her son all the way up in Chicago. We'll get down to the contrasting attitudes. She that, sends me care packages. Yes. She cares about Dennis, all right? She may be the only person downstate who cares about people who live in she Chicago. She sends me all the stuff I loved in high school. Like That's good. D- double stuffed Oreos. Like, Mom, I don't eat those anymore. Well, you know. Yeah, but when I asked him little. to bring them over, you didn't, oh, I ate them all. Oh, I mean, I ate them, yeah. yeah. okay. You don't eat them anymore, but he ate them. Uh, anyway. nostalgia. Got me. Uh, here comes that brown line. Anyway, I just want to say, Vicky may be the only person downstate who cares about people who live in the city of Chicago. Uh, all right, so uh, yes, Donald Trump. I heard first heard about this. Uh, Pat Whalen, our ace uh, internet guy, <laughs> social media. He put something out on Facebook. I don't know if you saw that, but it was it was a funny bit where he was interacting with Trump. Uh, Trump's advice about uh, disinfectant. I just said the heck with it. D, let's just play the whole thing and let's have some fun with this thing. All right. Oh, you'll play now. Yes, sir. Oh, right. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of the lungs. So it would be interesting to check that. So that you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds, it sounds interesting to me. So we'll see. But the whole concept of the light, the way it kills it in one minute, that's, uh, that's pretty powerful. I hope people enjoy the sun. 
And if it has an impact, that's great. I'm just hearing this, not really for the first time. I mean, there's been a rumor that, you know, a very nice rumor that you go outside in the sun or you have heat and it does have an effect on other viruses. But now we get it from one of the great laboratories of the world, I have to say. Covers a lot more territory than just this. This is this is probably an easy thing, relatively speaking, for you. I would like you to speak to the medical doctors to see if there's any way that you can apply light and heat to cure. Maybe you can't. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> well, I've been there before. <laughs> Maybe you can't. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> After he gives out the advice, uh, we cut the, the, the bit short, but then there's, there's a moment where he turns to one of his uh, aides who's uh that who is a doctor and you know puts it uh, right to her well does you know heat and sunlight help and she's like have it a habit a habit a habit a, you know not quite sure how to answer it you know because like with every one of these aides and experts that trump brings up for these uh, uh this these uh these briefings they they walking that delicate line between uh agreeing with him because you have to agree with him and not sending out message that would like lead to I don't know, people doing stuff like drinking Lysol or something. So there's like the, that delicate line where they want to say, you're a freaking lunatic. I can't believe I have to be on stage with you. On the other hand, they like the job. and the, They don't want to have that mound of bills staring at them. They, they want to hold on to their jobs. They're very delicate when dealing with Trump. Mm, you know, that's a good point, Mr. President. And you look mighty good in your suit today, uh, but you're a freaking lunatic. Anyway. So that was uh, that was making the rounds. Everybody was talking about that briefing where he. Uh, and we also cut off the part where he starts yelling at the reporter. That's <laughs> typical part of Donald Trump's press conferences. You know, I laugh to keep from crying. All right, several thoughts when I uh, hear that briefing. Uh, several thoughts. Let's just start with this one. Does he actually think it's a good idea to put disinfectant in your body? Okay, that's not much of a thought. So much as a thought, it's a question. But still, do people really believe him? that this is possibly a good idea. This is perhaps the more frightening thing. I have come to the conclusion uh, that Donald Trump is just riffing. Uh, it is Dennis's theory, and uh, I think it's a pretty good theory, that Donald Trump is actually a comedian, uh, a performance artist, and these are just set pieces that he's putting out where he understands that he's sending out, he's emanating certain messages that fire up his base, uh, and he certainly doesn't take anything he says seriously. Now, this is this is just one theory, okay? So it's kind of like elevating Trump in a way that he doesn't actually believe that it's a good idea to, you know, put take ingest a disinfectant to kill uh, the virus, okay? But that he's just sort of riffing, and he's a comic, and he knows his audience likes him. So, you know, that's just a performance piece. He's a master... I don't know. He's the, what did you call him? The funniest president we've ever had. So that's one theory uh, about Donald Trump. I'm more concerned of do people really believe him? Uh, do people really believe, for instance, that it might be a good idea uh, to ingest uh, disinfectants? Polls show that, uh, yes, indeed, many people do believe it. Many Republicans. There happened to be an article on this on the front page of the Tribune today. Uh, polls show few trust what Trump's saying about virus. So that's the good news. Just 28% of Americans say they regularly get information from Trump about the coronavirus, and only 23% say they have the high levels of trust in what the president is telling the truth. Uh, now, that's just the general public. When they get down to the subset of Republicans, it's a little different. Uh, whoa. 
It's that Metro. That's the Metro train, yeah. guys. <laughs> you got it coming and going. I went, choo-choo. So he lives by the Brown Line. For those who are, who are new to uh, the quarantine version of the Ben Drosky Show, Ben lives right by the Brown Line and the Metro. Yeah. Great for podcasting. <laughs> Great for, wait till the leaf blower wait, guy wait comes. Wait till the leaf blower. He comes on Friday usually, D. The leaf blower guy he usually comes on Friday. So that was... Look forward to that. Uh, anyway, so uh, back to the Tribune poll. Uh, 50% of Republicans have high levels of trust in Trump and 21% have moderate. Uh, so if you add it together, that means 71% of Republicans have some trust in Donald Trump. Uh, so that wonders, does that mean that 71% of Republicans think it's a good idea that, to fight uh, the, the virus by injecting disinfectant? Or is it one of those things that's like an offshoot of that old Chris Rock joke I like to tell, like when Republicans are alone in a room and they look around and make sure there's no Democrats there and they go, oh, yeah, I don't believe a word the guy's saying. He's freaking lunatic, but I just love the tax breaks. I think it's that way with some Republicans, but I'm starting to think that many of the other Republicans are, they like, they're falling for a hook, line, and sinker. Anyway, it was it was a pretty funny moment when he turned to uh, Deborah Burke, who was his uh uh, chief of one of his chief advisors and uh you know when, when i watched her just sitting there I could just like see that brain scrambling as she tried to figure out a way to extricate himself from that moment without offending trump and losing her job and yet saying something that would not make her look like a, like an idiot so it's kind of entertaining in its own way as dennis says but it's kind of frightening as well that this is the man leading the country in the middle of this crisis meanwhile J.B. Pritzker showed up at his briefing wearing a mask, and uh, I think that's his way of showing to people how serious this crisis is, and that uh, he too uh, is is affected by it, and he wants to send out the message how important it is to wear masks. Uh, where whenever you go into a store, or you go to a gas station, etc., uh, you should be wearing your mask. That's the message that he wants uh, to send out. Trump will never, ever, ever wear a mask. Now, part of the reason he never, ever, ever has to wear he a, a mask is that he doesn't have to wear a mask. Everybody is tested before they get into the White House. So before they come even anywhere, anywhere near Donald Trump, uh, they've been tested. So they won't let anybody who has the virus come near him. So really, he doesn't need a mask. But I also think it's pretty obvious that Donald Trump does not want to be caught wearing a mask because I think he... I don't know, I guess he thinks it's unmanly. And secondly, he doesn't want to send the wrong message uh, to his base because his base isn't quite sold on the fact that this is a serious virus. And so, and he's kind of playing that middle ground where he's pretending he's the president of the United States, very concerned about the virus and doesn't want people to die. At the same time, he doesn't want to go too far and lose that part of the base that believes the whole thing is a hoax. So slippery slope. It is a slippery slope for Donald Trump. No mask. <laughs> no mask. <laughs> no mask. No windmills. Uh, but anyway, uh, so the uh, Pritzker's press uh, pr uh, briefing yesterday, he made the announcement that he was going to extend the uh, stay-at-home uh, order to May 30th. So it looks like we'll be in this uh, this lovely attic for at least another month. Although I guess technically sneak into the sun times i don't know uh maybe they've changed the locks you know we haven't been there in a while we've been there in a long time a long time so uh but my guess is we'll be in this attic uh for a long time uh pritzker pointed out that we're still very much in a dire situation here in the state of illinois 
that the, the, the virus is still spreading. The number of people who uh, have it goes up every day. People die, uh, go up every day. So it's a very serious time, and he wants to continue the isolation. Uh, and uh, these statistics he released as part of his briefing were in the newspaper today. Uh, on March 21st, when he issued first issued the stay-at-home order, there were 753 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state, state of Illinois. 753 confirmed cases of COVID-19. Uh, as of yesterday, when he had the briefing, there were roughly 37,000 cases. So it went from 753 cases to 37,000. And it's kind of counterintuitive because... If staying at home is supposed to contain the spread of the virus, how come so there are so many cases of people with the disease now than there were before? It's for just your average normal human being, myself included, it's counterintuitive. So that's why Pritzker felt compelled to bring on his experts, and he had a couple of statisticians, a couple of scientists. Uh, professor types, uh, Nigel Goldenfeld was one, and uh, Sergey Maslow was another, and they gave up, and they had charts, and they gave an explanation. Dee, I don't know if you saw this, but they gave this very learned explanation about uh, measuring, you know, the number of cases and how you you try to uh, you create a model, uh, the, a projection based on uh, people staying at home, based on what we know about the disease, trying to figure out the like the things like can you catch it again uh, if you've had it once, that kind of thing. So they're trying to make projections, and you know, according to their projections, there will be far more people would have the disease now than if we, we hadn't done the quarantine, if we hadn't uh, uh, ordered to people to stay at home. So that's there to reassure you. And I'm watching this thing, and I always get a little nervous uh, at a briefing when an expert is brought out. Uh, number one, it's like the, uh, the reporter in me. I always get a little nervous because, like, you know, a reporter, his, a reporter's, a reporter's first instinct is like, it's not just that you have to listen and understand like an ordinary citizen would, but you have to listen and understand and then write a story about it and put it in English uh, so other people can understand it. Comprehensible English and language, you know, that it, like people will understand this incredibly complicated idea. Sometimes I read stories by reporters. I don't know, maybe I've written stories like this, like, you know what? I don't think this reporter really understood what was going on. He's ducking and dodging a little bit. I've been known to write a story like that hey, a long time so, ago, Dick. Not recently, a long time ago. Of course. Uh, and uh, I always get a little nervous when experts come out and give technical explanations because in so many instances, it's really just an attempt to confuse the uh, the public by throwing a bunch of gobbledygook at them. I see this happen all the time in the city of Chicago when it comes to taxes and tips. Somehow or other, they want to drag out an expert to explain how the TIF program works, and people in Chicago walk away so confused, they go, they don't even realize that it raises their taxes. So it could be an effective way to send out disinformation. But I think these two gentlemen did a pretty good job of pointing out uh, showing their models, etc., how much more of a dangerous situation would be if we hadn't, if the governor hadn't issued that stay-at-home or, or order back in March 21st. So it was a very sobering, very scientific, very learned, uh, not funny, not comical uh, briefing, as opposed to Donald Trump's. And of course. Uh, Pritzker managed to refrain from getting into a fight with reporters. Yeah, it sounds like there's a script or like a like a plan uh, going on between the two. You know what I mean? Like Trump's is like, let's wing it. 
Trump's like, let's wing it. And then let's say it's always important for Donald Trump to get into a little bit of a, a fight with oh, the, 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 the reporters who are there. We cut that part of the uh, the bit, but he went right. The first question from a reporter was along the lines of, you know, aren't you worried that you're confusing the public by setting out these you know, half-baked ideas? And then Trump's like immediately launches a fake news. Oh, you know, the whole bad. No wonder you're such a bad. No wonder your ratings are going down. You're a terrible reporter, which is one of his favorite. That's bits. to the point now where they're both expecting it. The reporters are ready to throw stuff at him. He's ready to throw stuff back. Yeah. Like, okay, well, 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 what's gonna going defend, on? I'm going to defend the reporters, the old reporter, because that's what reporters do. And so when we get to Pritzker's press conference, they... I'm yeah. not a perfect person. They do take... But they do it differently, D. Uh, they... I'll give Trump credit for this. He assembles his reporters in the White House briefing room there, uh, and they ask him directly. When Pritzker does it, it, they're like, all the questions are funneled through a spokesperson. So you do have that removal, that distance. It's uh, one step removed. A lot of reporters uh, got to ask her a question, and they would say who the question was from. And my good friend Greg Hines got to ask a question, D. Uh, his question was asked, all right? I know I did. <laughs> Just so you know. Yeah, I've been. I sent an email. Another okay. one. This is like the eighth email I've sent to Greg Hines to get him uh, on on an interview. Here, it's easier. It's over the phone. We have a better chance. <laughs> He's usually got stuff going on. You know, pre-pandemic guy. He had a lot of stuff. He's going a busy on. guy. These days, not so much. So I think we got a good uh, phone interview uh, set up yeah, with him. So no, please don't ruin it. I'm not going to say anything bad about his TIFF coverage. Okay, it's always funny to read Greg's. TIFF coverage, but he's, of course, uh, Crane's uh, political reporter. He's been around. Yeah, he's pretty good. Very good. Very good. Very good. Let's let's give him some love, all right? Greg. Uh, he's learned it, has been said earlier. He's learned it. Uh, not so much in the TIFF program, but everything else. Okay. Uh, Please stop that. Oh, yeah, you want we that, Greg? want him on the show. Uh, and by the way, he's not the best of poker players. I just want to let you know that. You I play always poker bring up the poker thing. <laughs> and, you, you know, you got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him. I heard he's right? good at uh, Zoom poker. <laughs> Zoom You'd poker. Be, yeah, he'd school you in Zoom poker. You hate Zoom. I hate Zoom. So, what, first of all, you can you can um, interrupt the Zoom message. Send out like a, the pornography over the Zoom messages. So I'm not with the well, Zoom. I'm thing not at playing all. Zoom poker with you. What are you talking <laughs> that about? That would be like strip Zoom poker. Anyway, so Greg's question was that when are you going to open swimming pools? You know, uh, people are really upset about swimming pools, and Pritzker started laughing at the question. I'm like, what the heck? You know, it was. <laughs> what are you laughing at the question? I thought it was a good question. It was yeah. like, huh, huh, you should hear about swimming pools. Then he calls the doctor. He could about it. You tell him about swimming Listen pools. Listen to this joker. <laughs> swimming pools. Swimming, and the doctor's like, <laughs> I thought it was like last week. Man, what's the name of old boy? Old uh, boy. Uh, who hmm. is in. Um... He's old and he's a boy. Let me think. Ozark. Oh, Jason Bateman. Yeah, I called him Justin. I felt like when Dennis like Justin, <laughs> it's Jason. That's what I felt for poor Greg. Greg, I know what it's like. You know, you. It's like you called Jason Bateman, Justin Bateman. So anyway, and so. in your defense, he had a sister named Justine. So did he? Yeah, she was in Family Ties. Remember that? No, was that his <laughs> sister in Family yeah. Ties? Yeah, it's Jason Bateman. I sister. thought that was Michael Fox. Well, no, no. Well, Michael kidding. J. Fox is in it as well. Uh, but Justine Bateman was the daughter yeah, in Family you know, Ties, Jason Bateman's I, I sister. Think, I vaguely remember that. Uh, anyway, Greg, I was with you 100%. I just like, oh, man, what are you guys laughing at this question? It's a good question. People want to go swimming. 
But then they got up with the explanation. They said, like, well, there's fecal matter in the swimming pools. I'm like, oh, great. So we've been doing that the whole time. I know. I'm like, now you're just telling us this? I've always been uh, anti-public pools. Like, there's like a water park back home, like, and everybody shares this. No, thanks. I I was ahead of the curve on that one, I I, guess. I'm with you now, D. I am never going to a swimming pool again. And it's funny. They just kind of dropped that in the middle of the the press briefing. Yeah, there's fecal matter in the uh, swimming pools. I'm like, whoa. Why do you allow people to go into swimming pools? And then they're just laughing about it. Well, of course you can't go into a swimming pool. There's fecal matter there. We're learning a lot during this pandemic. And they're laughing at it. (laughs) Idiot. Heard you. I heard you real good at poker. <laughs> yeah, Pritzker's like, hey, Greg, anytime you want to play seven card stud, come over to my house. Anyway, so I, I thought it was a good question, but I'm never going into a swimming pool again. And then there was a question. Uh, you know, some some reporter was wait, asking, wait, hold on, hold on. It's got an email. Let me look. Hold okay, on. Hold on. Let me see here. Okay. Thanks, but no thanks. Okay. Yep. Great. Greg Hines canceled the phone interview. <laughs> okay. Uh, I said it was a good question. All right, it was the poker part? What I think I, I think I did it this time. I thought it was a good question, and it you know it got some information that I thought was pretty interesting. Like there's fecal matter in the swimming pools, and they let people swim in them anyway, and they're laughing at it anyway. All right, moving on to the most uh, other important stuff. Uh, another reporter uh, asked a question regarding Republicans, Republican legislators, or. Uh, want the information, they want the actual statistics, uh, the reports that the um, the knowledgeable doctor, what Professor uh, Nigel Goldenfeld and Sergey Maslov used to prepare their models. What were those names again? Uh, Maslov and Goldenfeld. I wrote okay. them down, okay? I saw the briefing, all right? Uh, the one guy's a Brit. Hello, mate. He was had a nice English accent. And there went the British <laughs> listeners. <laughs> So anyway, so he, the the reporter want the the Republicans want the information, the the basic uh, the relevant statistics that uh, the mo- that they use to make their models. And Pritzker had a very interesting answer. He said, "Well, that's proprietary information that is owned by them." And I'm like, "Why do they own it? Why isn't this public information? We commissioned them to write the report. It should be our information." So you know, I was like, "D, I'm trying to do my best to be." Fair to Republicans. It's a legitimate question. I do believe that we should have, uh, as much as I like J.B. Pritzker, I voted for J.B. Pritzker, I find him very reassuring at these briefings, I still believe that we should have some unit of government watching over him. And I, I like the fact that the Republicans are asking challenging questions like that. Uh, they want the Giving information. Giving them a little nudge. Hey. And yeah, they, he should turn over the information and they should they could go dissect it and see what they could find. I don't think they'll find much of anything, but, you know, I think that information should be public information. It's not proprietary information of the owned by the professors. But I just want to say this, uh, Republicans, why don't you put some of that pressure on Donald Trump to release more, I don't know, uh, testing supplies so we could do tests in the state of Illinois and in New York throughout the country? Why don't you put pressure on him, not just put pressure on Pritzker? Let's see, but the problem is, He's not at the Thompson Center, Trump. 71% of Republicans in this country are ready to run off a cliff for Donald Trump. So Republicans in Illinois, they're like, "Mm, oh, man, don't think I'm going to go there. Mm -mm -mm." And finally, D, there was a downstate question. And I was thinking of you when they asked this question. Uh Uh, It was, I don't know who the, I can't remember who the reporter was, 
But the, essentially, I'm paraphrasing here. The question was this. Don't go doing a southern accent. I am not going to do a southern <laughs> accent, okay? And I'm not going to sing Convoy. Uh, the question was, since most of the cases are in the Chicago area, why doesn't the governor just quarantine the Chicago area from the rest of the state? And then people in the rest of the state can go about their business, and they won't have to close hair salons. Uh, you won't have to close restaurants. Uh, people could just go to work and just have quarantine. I had this vision of like Escape from New York. Remember that movie from the eighties? Uh, the uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell movie where the Snake Plissken. Yeah, he had and he had the uh, the patch, uh, and they closed off New York City. Nobody could get in or get out. I had like visions of the National Guard like circling like this. It's actually a badass movie. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know about that. I like it. Uh, it was it was okay. Anyway, circling the entire Chicago region, nobody can get in, get out. You have to go through security clearance. I was like, like implicit in that question was this notion that downstaters really don't like Chicagoans. D. I'm just saying it's that a like, disconnect. It's a disconnect. They, you know? they view Chicago as like a problem that they're stuck with. It's like you know this burden they have to carry. Just got that feeling. You know just. We don't really care what happens to Chicago. Just keep away from us. Put the National Guard around There's there. just a disconnect. You know what I mean? Like, I talked to my dad, and uh, this is this actually happened in a conversation with my dad. Um, he was like, so let me get this. I'm going to take the F word out, by the way. Uh, now let not? Me, put it Put it in. And I'll, I'll replace the F word with hell. Now, let me get this straight, D. You either, because I don't have a car. You know, I ride my bike, sickle, or the bus. And he goes, now, D, let me get this straight. You either... Ride, he calls me D. You either ride your bicycle or the bus. Is that right? And I said, yeah, that's right, Dad. He goes, all right, now answer me this. Do you wear a backpack? And I said, yeah, I do wear a backpack, Dad. He goes, all right, well, basically, you're 14. <laughs> he doesn't get it. Like, why are you riding a bus and a bike? Get in a truck, brother. Yeah. He's like, are you going on dates with flowers in your hand on a bus? Like, no. I'll tell you what. You, you're never getting married, D. If, no, that's not true. You may get married. When, if Denny's seen you were running the state, that quarantine you're up there right now. Okay? <laughs> yeah, no, no one in and out of Illinois. No one in and out of Chicago. Boom. The National Guard there. And I thought uh, Pritzker did a very good job of answering. He said, well, you know, uh, the, you can't quarantine the virus. I mean, you could get down anywhere in the state of Illinois, even to put the National Guard. And then he just sort of moved away from the question as if to say, okay, uh, that's the Trumpster in the room. He still got it. He could still duck and dodge like the the best of them. You know, he more or less said, I thought he more or less said, yeah, but he's, you know, quick at his feet. Well, they live here too. Uh, Yeah, they get to live here too. (laughs) They duck and dodge forever. I I now understand what you've been telling me all all this time. They don't really like people from Chicago downstate. Uh, They think of us as a What the hell is cilantro? Just go up there and die from the coronavirus. We don't worry. Just keep it up there. Are you saying Teresa or Teresa? <laughs> no, Teresa. Uh, delicious, delicious meal. It's great. I don't know Teresa. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that was uh, J.B. Pritzker. I thought he was reassuring. Uh, I thought he handled all the questions uh, with grace, except for uh, Greg Hines' question. Guys, it was a legitimate question, okay? Stop laughing, all right? Uh, and uh, he managed to get through 
the, uh, the press conference, the press briefing, without urging anybody to take Lysol uh, to fight the virus. So, you know, great job. I know the bar is low, but great job. We got a great show today, everybody. <laughs> Sergio Mantle here. And uh, before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man they call the doctor, the man who loves riding his bike and wearing a backpack, Dr. Doobie with the news. I'm not a doctor. How's it going, everybody? For the fourth and final time this week, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. And everyone listening in Illinois, yes, do not worry. You're going to be able to finish out that Netflix series after all. In fact, you may be able to finish out all of Netflix itself because (laughs) Illinois' stay-at-home order continues until May 31st. That's correct. And went down uh, just as we jumped off YouTube Thursday. Uh, Pritzker, alongside the sign language guy, made it official. Uh, I have the Pritzker press release here, so let's go through the details of our new stay-at-home order. Uh, After consulting with doctors, scientists, and experts in Illinois and across the world, the governor has announced that he will sign a modified version of the state's stay-at-home order that will go into effect on May 1st and extend through the end of the month. The modified order will strengthen the state's social distancing requirements while allowing residents additional flexibility and provide measured relief to non-essential businesses in the safest way possible. The new executive order will include the following modifications effective once again May 1st. Uh, First, let's talk about outdoor recreation. Mm -hmm. State parks will begin a phased reopening under guidance from the Department of Natural Natural Resources. And Ben, don't worry. We could still go on that downstate fishing trip we've been talking about. Mm. You know, the one where you try dip for the first time. What is dip again? Chewing tobacco. Oh. Uh, By the way, yes, but there can only be two people in a boat. Fishing and boating in groups of no more than two people will be permitted. A list of parks that will be open on May 1st uh, and additional guidelines can be found on the Illinois Department of Natural Resources website. Ben, you know, uh, after the first time you try dip, you're like, I don't know. About after the third or fourth time, you'll be a pro. (laughs) Yeah. Spitting it out. We'll get you a Mountain Dew bottle. You can spit it out. Uh, I'll be like uh, Chris Elliott in uh, Shit's Creek. I think he uh, dipped. Yeah, I think he's a dipper. I do I think believe he is, he's a dipper. I think he's a big dipper, yeah. in fact. Wealthy need not worry no longer. In a matter of days, you can go back to deserting your loved ones because <laughs> golf will be permitted yeah. under strict safety guidelines provided by the Illinois Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity. Let's talk about new essential businesses such as greenhouses, garden centers, and nurseries. They may reopen as essential businesses. Uh, these stores must follow social distancing requirements and must require that employees and customers wear a face covering. Uh, Animal grooming services may also reopen. So uh, I don't know about your own hair, but your dog's hair, maybe we can take care of. Non-essential retail. Retail stores not designated as non-essential businesses and operations may reopen to fulfill telephone and online orders through pickup outside the store and delivery. Face coverings. Beginning on May 1st, individuals will be required to wear a face covering or a mask when in a public place where they can't maintain a six-foot social distance. Face coverings will be required in public indoor spaces, such as stores. This new requirement applies to all individuals over the age of two who are able to medically tolerate a face covering or a mask. 
How about essential businesses and manufacturing? Well, essential businesses and manufacturers will be required to provide face coverings to all employees who are not able to maintain six feet of social distancing, as well as follow new requirements that maximize social distancing and prioritize the well-being of employees and customers. This will include occupancy limits for essential businesses and precautions such as staggering shifts and operating only essential lines for manufacturers. Let's talk about schools. Educational and institutions may allow and establish procedures for pickup of necessary supplies or student belongings. Uh, dormitory moveouts must follow public health guidelines, including social distancing. The Illinois Department of Public Health will also be issuing guidance to surgery centers and hospitals to allow for certain elective surgeries for non-life-threatening conditions starting on May 1st. Facilities will need to meet specific criteria, including proper P. PPE, ensuring enough overall space for COVID-19 patients remain available, and testing of elective surgery patients to ensure COVID-19 negative status. Yeah, they're, in other words, opening up just enough to say they're opening up somewhat. Uh, two trains at once, D. That's a, a oh, good luck excellent. thing. Uh, you That's have a to, good luck thing. You yes. have to take two shots. I knew I was going to have a good weekend. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't, for instance, I don't know why greenhouses... Garden stores were closed in the first place if you do uh, proper di uh, social distancing. I would consider that kind of an essential service. I don't know. Maybe people would disagree with me. But uh, you're at home for a month. you got to do something. So gardening would be one thing a lot of people will be doing. And uh, so I'm glad to see they're doing that. And, uh, D, you know, opening up the, the state parks. A lot of one of the, qu the questions that uh, Pritzker was asked several times uh, by reporters uh, at the briefing yesterday was whether or not there would be uh, – they would crack down on people who don't follow the rules. And essentially, Pritzker's response is very similar to Lori Lightfoot's response is no. They're not going to uh, order police to write tickets or arrest people. Uh, they're just... Well, that's always nice. Well, yeah, they're letting people know that these are the rules and they're expecting people to follow the rules because their health is at stake. Uh, but they're... they're going to treat everybody like they're grown-ups, D, and they're adults, and they can follow the rules. And uh, so it's interesting. Uh, I wish they had done that with a reefer all those years. You know, well, it's against the rules, but just follow them, and uh, we're not going to arrest you. But, of course, it didn't go that way. So that's what we know so far about our next Illinois stay-at-home order, part two, now with fishing <laughs> and golfing. Wait Whoa. for it. Wait for it. Yeah, there it is. You didn't tell me you had that at the pre-show meeting. I know, right? Fishing <laughs> and golfing. Yeah. Wait for it. Yeah. Now, I know you're trying to urge me to get on that boat and go fishing, but I'm not a fish. I never enjoyed fishing. Are you a fi Do you like fishing? Yeah, fishing's awesome. Oh. I like fishing. Do you fish here in Chicago ever? I've never fished in Chicago. I kind of left that back at home, you know? Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I just fishing to me seems like a waste of time, but I'm happy that they're That's allowed. kind of the point. Waste some time. Go fishing. Waste some time. Yeah, but Smoke I'd, a doobie. Yeah, have okay. a Bud Light. You All know right. what I mean? Fair enough. Uh, anyway, um, I'm happy that people love fishing, and so it's good that they, uh, they're they opening it up again. I don't know why they closed it in the first place, but you know, maybe that will I don't know, undercut some of the opposition that's coming uh, from the downstaters who are very upset uh, about the stay-at-home order. Hold on, Ben. We're reeling in a big one. Whoa, come here! <laughs> Good times. Uh, could you imagine you and me fishing? Oh, it's going to happen. We were no. talking about the oh, trip. Oh, my God. First of all, I don't Did you like... forget about the trip we were talking about yeah, taking? I... You're like, man, I want to try Kodiak. I uh, don't remember ever saying anything like that. I uh, I don't like boats. 
Uh, I don't want to go into a boat ever again. Uh, I'm definitely never going into a swimming pool after yesterday's briefing, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, I don't like boats. So never will we go fishing unless we're off a dock. Okay, in which case, wow. Way to, way to break my heart in the middle of a podcast. In, where, in which case, you'll be fishing and I'll be sitting there watching you fish. Okay, well, find Ben Jarofsky on the golf course. Nope. <laughs> I, I think I hate golf more than fishing. Oh, boy. You're yeah, a party, aren't you? I like watching Bulls games. Yeah, so it turns out Illinois is a really mixed bag. And if you didn't see this one coming, well, you should travel downstate a little more often. A downstater is suing J.B. Pritzker because of the stay-at-home order. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times, and once again, this feller, Neil Earley. Apparently, uh, we learned about Neil. What's uh, what's his status? He's an intern, is that right? I think that's what Romana told me. Yes, he's an intern uh, in the spring, Springfield Bureau, so that probably explains why we cool. never saw him when well, we were at the Bright One. Hey, Neil, if you're listening, uh, you know, if we don't get wiped off the face of the planet and we're able to go back to the Sun-Times again, try the bagel shop across the street. It's excellent. <laughs> ben loves the bagel place. Uh, I do love the bagel. Oh my he god, he brings back mem- memories. I used to be whenever I would take the train, I'd be walking up Madison. Hey D, you want a bagel? And once it becomes you know safe to do so, try the Goodwill right by the Sun Times. Holy cow, these rich people that live in that neighborhood throw away the most awesome stuff. All right, their trash is our treasure. All right, remember that. You're an intern. You could probably use some uh, some good priced clothes. All right. Anyway, back to Neil's piece in the sun times, uh, a slight easing of restrictions under governor JB Pritzker's stay at home order was not enough for one Southern Illinois Republican. So we did what so many others want to do when they feel like they've been wronged. State rep Darren Bailey sued. Bailey filed a lawsuit asking a circuit court judge to issue an injunction to overturn the executive order. Uh, We got a quote from Bailey. Bailey said, quote, enough is enough. I filed this lawsuit on behalf of myself and my constituents who are ready to go back to work and resume a normal life. Let's just pause it right there. Ben, your thoughts on that quote? Enough is enough. Well, okay. This gets into what we were talking about before. By the way, I just can I do a promotion of the uh, one of our uh, bonus episodes? Whose name's on that banner right over there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's your name. Oh, yeah. All for the old days in the sun times. The listeners can't see. Um, I can't see it either. Uh, But uh, Jim Coogan, Ace Attorney Jim Coogan, and I talk about the legal aspects of whether there is a civil rights uh, issue here at stake uh, when the government orders people to stay at home, uh, shelter at home. And so uh, and this uh, gentleman, uh, Darren Bailey, State Representative Darren Bailey, says that his uh, constitutional rights have been violated by uh, ordering his civil rights have been violated by ordering him to stay at home. And so Jim Coogan uh, goes into that. Uh, Personally, um, I'm not buying it. I feel that if there's a compelling interest, uh, health interest in this case, for to order people to stay at home, uh, then that would be constitutional. So I guess it would have to come before a judge and the state would have to prove that it would be detrimental to Darren Bailey's well-being if the uh, they took away the stay-at-home and Darren B- Bailey would have to argue that, in fact, uh, there is no threat to his life uh, by having him stay at home. I presume that's how the case would go uh, if it isn't just thrown out uh, at the outset. But uh, so those are the compelling issues in that case. Well, as long as you're staying indoors and not touching anybody, had Pritzker's a billionaire. Sue him. Go for it. Let's see what happens. Why not? Technically, he's not suing Pritzker. He's oh. suing you, the taxpayer. Oh, hey, don't do that. Hey, <laughs> just, Darren, just what are you doing? It's not like a personal lawsuit All against right. Pritzker. All right, Bailey. 
Knock it off. Yeah, I think it's more like suing Pritzker in his role as governor of the state of Illinois. So it's you're footing the bill for this one, D. Just saying. Can you guys tell why we went 15 months without paying our electric bill? Not that smart, old Denny. All right. Bailey filed a lawsuit. Uh, let's see here. Uh, where did I leave off? Oh, you did the quote. Okay, here we go. Bailey filed his complaint in Clay County, which is reported not one, but two COVID-19 cases as of Thursday. Bailey lives in the southern Illinois town of Xenia. Is that how you pronounce that? I guess so. I've never been. 364 people. Damn. What do you think about that? Is that where you want to take our fishing trip? Xenia? <laughs> no, I thought you were impressed that I knew there were 364 people there. Here's Ben and Xenia. <laughs> Come here! Give me that thing! <laughs> Is there a body of water in Xenia? I'm sure there's a creek somewhere. Okay. And I was very impressed. But way to go. Population 364. That was good. All right. In his lawsuit, Bailey alleges that Pritzker's stay-at-home order, which first took effect on March 21st as an attempt to slow the spread of COVID-19, violates his civil rights. The lawsuit states that Bailey has been, quote, uh, harmed each and every day as the order limits his ability to travel. In response, Pritzker spokeswoman Jordan Abadea said that the governor, quote, has followed the guidance of public health experts and use the emergency powers authorized in state law to protect the health and lives of all Illinoisans. Now is the time to stop our work because we must remember lives are at stake, Jordan Abadea said. And she finally said here, it is truly unfortunate that a legislator is working against our public health efforts. Yeah, this gets into what we've been talking about all day, D, uh, and that is that people downstate don't believe this is a serious crisis. Uh, it doesn't. It's not affecting them as much as it's affecting us in Chicago. They're not seeing the grand number of totals, the, the grand number of people being rushed to hospitals. So it doesn't exist. It just exists in Chicago. And it's just, you know, a pain in the neck. And it uh, violates their rights. And I truly hope uh, that the virus does not spread in a strong way to downstate. I'm sincere when I say that. And um, so I'm hoping that uh, Darren Bailey and the people who live in his neck of the woods are spared this horrendous virus, the impact of this horrendous virus. But I have to believe that the doctors know what they're talking about in saying that there is a threat, an imminent threat, uh, if you open up the, uh, if we re uh, reduce the shelter at home order too much at this time. So, uh, Darren Bailey has a different view than I do. I'm going to respect that view. How about that, D? I'm really respecting those downstate view. I'm not going to make fun what an, of them. What an Illinoisan you, you've become. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to make fun of them or anything like that. But I just uh, urge one more time, Darren Bailey, you, are, you show that you're unafraid to take on the powers that be in Illinois. I want you to do it to the other side. You're a Republican leader. You know, uh, why don't you... Instead of just thinking about how your little town has been spared the impact of the virus, how things are great in your little neck of the woods, and I'm happy for you. It's good that the people have been spared. Why don't you think about the people in Cook County, in Chicago, who really been hit hard by it? Why don't you think about the people on the front lines, like the doctors and the nurses? No, he doesn't recognize Cook County. You got to call it what they call it downstate, Crook County. So, you know... Put aside your biases against Cook County and the names you have for it. And why don't you call up Donald Trump and say, hey, can we get some more testing equipment? So testing supply so people in Chicago can deal with it. You know, I respect your right to file your lawsuit. Why don't you respect our right to live?
That's what I think about Darren Bailey. Shout out to Kyle, Ben Jarofsky Show, devotee. He knows Ben quite well. Uh, Kyle says, hey, Ben, uh, what's the high school mascot of a Zenia since you know the population so suddenly? Uh, uh, I think it's uh, the coronavirus right now. Oh. No, I have no idea what it is. I never even heard of Xenia before. But, uh, yes, usually I would know uh, a mascot. The safe bet is Hawks. Just say Hawks, right? Should I look it up? You're right. Hold on, I'm looking it up. Go look that up. Sure, right, we got well, nothing going on. Right, hold on, you talk. That Stop. iPhone 5. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Before we move on, we want to remind everybody, hey, we have bonus interviews. We do these every weekend. If you just listen to the live stream, oh, my God, there's so much more Ben Jarofsky show that you have yet to hear. Also, we add our second hour of the show available for download as well. You should go check that out. Both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. What's that? Google Play? We're on there. What the, the Apple Podcast? Yeah, we're on that one, too. Uh, and Stitcher. Go check it out. Tell your friends. Our Ben Jarofsky Show bonus interviews and the second hour of our shows are available for download. All right. I just looked it up. Uh, I cannot find the high school in Xenia at this moment, so I can't tell you. Well, I, I mean, know there's they were... 364 Wait, people, so they probably share a high school with other towns. Yeah. You know what I mean? uh, That's the... How about Flora High School? Flora. Uh, Flora High School. They're... Hey, they're the fighting Irish. There you go. Yeah. They're the fighting Irish. <laughs> Wait, really just... <laughs> Well, that's a real original. Doubling down on that white guy thing. Hey, Darren Bailey, why don't you work at the nickname a little bit? Uh, ben, I'm really busy suing the state, okay? <laughs> Those are my tax dollars. Uh, ben, I have a right to go out and get a haircut. Now, obviously, uh, today Governor Pritzker will be giving his daily COVID-19 press conference, but we do have to mention what happened right before Pritzker's Thursday pandemic press briefing. Ben, did you hear about this? Mm, I don't know. This what? one comes from the Sun-Times <laughs> Wire. A man is in custody after allegedly starting a fire at the Thompson Center many Minutes before Governor J.B. Pritzker gave his daily COVID-19 conference in the building, the 44-year-old poured a, quote, unknown substance on the glass of a building at about 2.15 in the 100 block of West Lake Street and lit it, Chicago police said. A video shared on social media appears to show flames on the outside of the Thompson Center. A couple of red-colored containers sit on the sidewalk. Uh, we'd play it, but there's a lot of foul language in the video. I didn't want to go through all the beeps and all that. So go uh, look at that if you've yet to. No injuries were reported, and charges are pending as area central detectives investigate. Yeah, I didn't know about it until I read my beloved bright one. It's in, this, it's in the paper right below the article about Darren Bailey. So that's, Darren Bailey's going to read that article. That Let's just let Chicago go to hell. See, D, it's stories like that. People downstate, they see stories like that. Oh, let's let it go to hell. Let's just, who cares what happens in Chicago? I, I got to believe people downstate aren't as cold-hearted as they're coming across at this uh, coronavirus. Come on, speak up for your beloved downstaters. I mean, it's like, oh, it doesn't affect us. You guys, who cares about you in Chicago? I moved from there. <laughs> I live up here now. <laughs> Don't blame me. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, moving on. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> Apologies to all the Aries. Oh, but if you stay at home now, yeah. maybe you can celebrate with the Geminis later uh, <laughs> i think that's ben's favorite one <laughs> i love when you do the ding no I, you know what i really like now that fishing one you got oh, you didn't yeah? even tell me at the pre-show meeting that you had that. oh yeah i know it's funnier when you don't know and it's surprising you know what i mean by the For way the sake se of comedy. second day in a row we had a pre-show meeting yep things are really getting accomplished around here <laughs> boy we are just being some braggarts today huh today's pre-show meeting lasted about two minutes but yeah. uh, <laughs> oh what you want to go fishing after work let's go baby that's a bluegill I just caught there. 
Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, as we speak, she's presiding over this week's Virtual City uh, Council meeting, part two. Part two. Why part two? Well, she apparently uh, called off the last one that went down. Ben, for those who may not know, why exactly is there a part two, a uh, second city council meeting this week? I love this, you know, and I know more and more of our listeners are not from Chicago, so I always have to explain uh, Chicago politics is a really a wacky place. It's not as crazy as it has been because of the coronavirus. You know, we haven't had as many meetings. Meetings. I think a meeting, we lost a meeting somewhere in the middle. So they're trying virtual meetings. <laughs> I'm sorry. The virtual meetings, everybody, it's Zoom. Have you seen the picture, too, where it's Lori? It's just a giant TV, like looking at 50. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Dogs barking, <laughs> train going by. Oh, I'm sure one of those aldermen's ripping a bong. 50 of them? Come on. One of them smoking a joint, you know, like, they just walk away. And then every now and then they get crashed and somebody hacks into it and there's porno playing. <laughs> and they all love Zoom, ladies and gentlemen. Zoom really works, Ben. Have you heard of Zoom? Uh, <laughs> Alderman Wag is packed. Huh? Uh, come on, Scotty doesn't what? smoke. He's the finance chair, right? Scotty doesn't smoke. Uh, he's too responsible for that. Maybe back in the day when he was in Berwyn. Berwyn High School, home of the Rebels, okay? Maybe then. I just made that up. I don't know if they're the Rebels. Um, so anyway, uh, Lori Lightfoot uh, has decided that she needs emergency powers <laughs> that she doesn't already have, which is kind of a hard thing to understand, that she would need more power than since the mayor is pretty much all-powerful in the city of Chicago. But she wants the right to... Uh, extend contracts and uh, expenditures without getting city council approval because we're in an emergency. Now, I personally do not see why she needs this extra right, this extra power. Can't imagine uh, any situation where she would have to say, I need $10 million right now to give a contract to my cousin Billy. Yeah, I just can't see that, D. Uh, but, you know, mayor's insisting that she needs that power and she's a very popular person in the city of chicago right now d i'm really concerned about saying the right thing Lori lightfoot is beloved by the people of the city of chicago almost as much maybe even more actually now that i think about it uh than donald trump is loved by his republican uh allies his republican members his fellow republicans so uh when you say something critical about Lori lightfoot you can always expect some blowback so i'm really gonna be measured d okay don't want to offend anybody all right but i'm not quite sure why she needs all this power and uh so she had a uh, she proposed uh, she had two proposals i think it was uh, ordinance or maybe it was just one ordinance uh and then two aldermen blocked it from being passed on wednesday and those aldermen are who are they d Tell the people. Um, I'm trying to think here. Oh, okay. Number one. Number one. <laughs> Alderman Ray Lopez. That's correct. What ward is he from? I believe he's uh, the 15th ward. Whoa, right? what a geek. Hey, we're reversing things. I know, I know, right? Good Lord. <laughs> what a geek. I've been doing this show way too long. And the other Alderman? Uh, who is number two? Number no. two. <laughs> Carlos Ramirez Rosa. What Alderman? 30, what Ward? Thirty fifth Ward. Oh boy! And what uh, neighborhood of the city is thirty fifth Ward in? <sighs> I'm sad and ashamed that I know. <laughs> Logan Square. Yeah, you've been doing. But Carlos is a frequent guest on our show, so we love Carlos. Anyway, so they, they uh, used their uh, parliamentary maneuver to uh, force the matter uh, to another day, delayed it, and so they're reconvened today. They're probably meeting right now as we speak, right, Dee? Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. uh, one o'clock. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe oh, well, one o'clock. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, they, I know she had the votes, so, you know, I mean, 
there was no doubt in my mind. So it's kind of like a power move by Ray Lopez and Carlos to say, hey, we're here too, you know. You got to respect us. Lori was not happy with them. Oh, no. So uh, I, am, I just refreshed Chicago Sun-Times. I don't have any details on what went down or what is going down. Uh, we'll try to give you those updates. Can before. I just promote a part of the show? Dave Glow. Hey, whose name's on that banner over there? Oh, that's right. But yeah. there's no banner. Uh, what is this thing? I keep looking at this. It's your house, dude. Digital tech. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's just old, old documents have been sitting around since 2011. Uh, Dave Glowitz will be on the show on Tuesday, and he, of course, is our Ace uh, City uh, Hall reporter, and he'll have all sorts of clips from Wednesday and Friday's virtual meetings. It should be a lot of fun. That's one of my favorite segments of the show when Dave Glowitz comes on. He has his clips. And he goes, uh, Dennis, play clip uh, B. It's, and Dennis pushes B. Then we rip. So it's a lot of fun. That'll be Tuesday. Ben loves it. He loves that stuff. I love that. I love, first of all, he does, he comes prepared, all right? And that's not putting pressure on our other guests, all right? But he comes with his clips and stuff to play. All right, now let's go to you, all right, on the live stream chat. How's it going, everybody? We're having a good time on the live stream chat today. Uh, earlier, uh, if you just tuned in, I did an impression of my dad, my father, uh, producer Dennis Sr. Uh, they said, uh, my dad sounds like Dr. Phil, but my impression of my dad. Wait, look, uh, yeah, well, I, I didn't want to say it, but, our, you know. Oh, yeah, don't, don't break my uh, heart. Wait, do your Dr. Phil. Listen, you have ruined your life. We'll be right back. Okay, that's different than I've heard uh, Denny Senior many times. I mean, without the F word, it's really uh, it's, it's just do freaking. Now, come on, Dave. <laughs> now your brother, he's just so local, man. Like if I if I uh, were to become mayor of Chicago, I'd call my dad and go, "Dad, man, I'm sh I'm mayor of Chicago. That's pretty cool, right?" Well, yeah. Well, your brother, he mowed six lawns today. Six Hell, bud. Six freaking long. That's a freak, freaking long. <laughs> Hell, bud. No, I, I think there's a difference, folks. I'm going to stand up for D here. I think there's a difference between Dr. Phil and Denny Senior. Well, my Dr. Phil impression is decent, but we got a voicemail from a gentleman uh, in the Springfield area, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh I, I think he's doing a Dr. Phil impression. It's so good that I'm I'm having trouble telling here, but uh, this person called us, didn't give us a name or anything. I just noticed the 217 Springfield area code from the state capitol. It's Dr. Phil who left us a voicemail. By the way, this is a longtime listener, Babs, favorite thing that we do here on the show is yeah, uh, playing voicemails. Like he loves them. Sarcasm, he hates it. He does not like phone calls or voicemails or any of that. I, I'm... I actually, with him from the old days, the phone calls, sometimes, you know, they would get annoyed. But I like this new segment of the show. <laughs> Got to figure out how to use that phone. Starting to learn why they let Ben go. I hate these phone callers. Yeah. All right. That was the least of it. <laughs> let's see. Yeah, you're right. That's just totally the least of it. All right. Let's see if I can get this going here. There we go. All right. Our Dr. Phil call. Everything we can do. I'm totally at peace with it. I don't hate you. <laughs> I don't resent you. I, I, I don't have any bad feelings or unfinished emotional business with you. You're going to smoke dope and, and uh, have a good time. And I'm going to do the same thing. I don't know what the he's going to do the same thing. Is he going to smoke dope like you're smoking dope? I'm still trying to figure out if that was really Dr. Phil. That or, sounded just like him. Or is he going to have a good time like you're having a good time? You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to understand that. I don't know. He called it dope. That's old school. All right. And then finally, we got a voicemail from Paul. 
Uh, let's play Paul's voicemail. Guys, you can do the same thing. Reach out to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Leave us a voicemail. Babs will love it when we read it. 708-658-4788. 708-658-4788. All right, here's our voicemail from Paul. Oh, my name is Paul Carter. Hello, Ben. Hello, Dennis. Uh, I'm calling from Rockford, Illinois, and I want to thank you for both being on the air and putting a smile on my face when I uh, listened to your podcast. I wrote to you about a year ago, Ben, uh, uh, email when you had just started your new show or just about ready to, and you were very, very kind to email me back. So I, wanna, I appreciate that. I wanted to let you know that you have in, you inspired me when you talked about uh, Joe Biden not be, being too much of a Mr. Nice Guy. And so I wrote to him, emailed him, and told him he should get his act together and start attacking Trump. And what I got back in response was they were asking me for, for money and uh, <laughs> joining the, uh, the Biden team. So, again, thank you for being so kind when you wrote to me before. And I hope you and Dennis are well, and please be safe. Thank you again. Bye. That, that, that's, a, that's a really great voicemail. I'm really glad you played it. It makes me feel good. Uh, and <laughs> I, I, I had a laugh, man. When he, he, he writes to give advice to Joe Biden's <laughs> Stop being such a patsy. Go on the attack. Biden goes, oh, thank you for the letter. Uh, you want to make a donation? No, that's not why I wrote. I didn't write to get a solicitation from you. I wrote to give you advice, and it's good advice. And, uh, Joe Biden would punch harder, but I don't know. My Dem friends are saying, Ben, you don't understand the strategy he's following here. And actually, Paul, uh, he actually left his response to you. He gave it to us. Oh, yeah, yeah, here it is. So this idea is a bunch of malarkey. He doesn't like your idea, dude. Paul, I got I don't know. Joe Biden, uh, the strategy he's following, Paul, is uh, one that I don't quite understand. Uh, but all my Dem friends, I got tons of Dem friends, I go, Ben, just you watch. And part of me actually believes that it really doesn't matter, Paul. People despise Trump so much. Uh, and uh, that that may be enough to elect Joe Biden. But we're certainly not going to see a vigorous counterattack from Joe Biden. It's just not his style. And uh, so, you know, I just got to, you and I, uh, Paul, are just going to have to put that one on the shelf because unless he reinvents himself after all these years, we're not going to see it. He's Mr. Bipartisan, Mr. I get along with Republicans, Mr. Judge, would you like a back rub? Would you like a pizza? Uh, so we're just not going to see that side. But maybe maybe that's where Mar- that's where the voters are. I don't know. Guys, I'm liking this part of the show. Keep the voicemails coming. They don't have to be all positive and sunshine like Paul's. We appreciate that, Paul. You can make fun of us, troll us, prank us, do whatever. No, I like the Paul. Yeah. I like that one. I yeah, like that was a great one. Yeah. Feel free to call us with whatever. It's fine. Oh, and by the way, that was not Dr. Phil. It's in. We, uh, we have an update. That was not Dr. Phil who called us. That was actually Johnny Joe on the live stream chat. Oh, really? Yeah, Triple J. Oh, wow. That was a really good uh, Dr. Phil, man. That was awesome. (laughs) Be like Johnny Joe. Be like Doogie. And be like Paul. Call the Ben Jarofsky Show. Leave us a voicemail. The number again, 708-658-4788. I'm sure you can spell a word out of that number. I'm not sure what it is, but... Call us up. We would love to hear from you. Uh, I think that's about it. I think we're good now. Uh, So we're going to take a little break here. And when we come back, Sergio Mims, director of the Black Harvest Film Festival, 
will be joining us. What are we going to talk with Sergio about, Ben? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> he has no idea. You have no idea. Maybe we'll talk about fishing. <laughs> or golfing. <laughs> or neither. Uh, Stick around and find out. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from Ben's house. Right, and then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? Maybe you can't. I'm not a doctor. We're all screwed. <laughs> Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from Ben's house. All right, there's breaking news. Donald Trump walking back uh, from... Uh, that pronouncement, I was just talking to Sergio. Uh, he, I'm here in the bubble, so I missed it. And uh, Sergio, are you there? Right here. Can you hear me? Yeah. You Can s- everybody hear me? Yes, you're coming through loud and clear, Sergio. Uh, okay. Co-founder of Black Harvest Film Festival. And we're going to have Black Harvest Film Update. We're going to go through some of Sergio's recommendations. The man it knows more about movies than really, I think, anyone else I know. Uh, I don't always agree with him when uh, what he says about movies, but he's probably the foremost authority on movies. Uh, and I see you've been do- uh, absolutely seen every movie that ever came out in the '70s, I think. So we'll get through some of your recommendations. People uh, locked home uh, with the virus, but I had a great, uh, a lot of fun making fun of Donald Trump at the start of the show, as well I should. Uh, the, the worst president I've ever lived under, uh, Sergio, and I used to, I was really hesitant to put him there because George Bush was pretty bad, and Richard Nixon was a drunken insomniac. So those are two really bad presidents that I've lived under. But Donald Trump yesterday uh, getting up and telling folks that they might consider uh, using disinfectant to fight off the virus and, like, injecting it or something. And immediately all these experts are having to say, no, don't do that, you'll kill yourself. And, like, Lysol put out a message, no, don't take us, don't take our product, Uh, it'll kill you. Uh, and now he's trying to walk it back. Uh, give us the update, Sergio. Well, yeah, he had a press conference, I'm sorry, a bill signing earlier today in which he claimed that what he said was sarcastic. He, This is a quote. I was asking the question sarcastically to reporters like you just to see what would happen. Okay. Uh, first of all, I don't. It was. I don't think it was posed in, as a form of the question. Uh, and uh, secondly, it was that I've become a mini student of Trump's briefings, Sergio. So follow me. He has those moments where he's like gets really serious, and uh, as opposed to you know wild, he's not waving his arms. It's like he's you know thinking things through and trying to give reassuring advice to people. So this was part of that where he was trying to reassure Americans that don't worry, there's potential solutions to this problem. Uh, and uh, so I don't think at all he was in any way being sarcastic. I know when Donald Trump is being sarcastic, you know, he's not that, he doesn't hide that well. That well. Uh, so you, I, I assume you don't buy his walk back, do you? No, I do not. Uh, First of all, why would you be sarcastic at a time like this or during a press conference where people want serious information? People want to know what is going on. And then if he claims, well, I was just being sarcastic, there's a time and a place for everything, but it sure was not the time and that sure was not the place. Now, unlike you, I have stopped watching his uh, press conferences because I, I've, I've had it. 
But then when I started reading yesterday what he said, I actually went back and watched the video because I, I had to watch this for myself. And uh, I'll be honest with you. I was really sad. I was really depressed because we are embarrassment to the world. And this guy is president because some people, you know, why? Why? You know, it's my theory. My theory, and I've been telling this to people, is that Trump is karma. He is revenge for the original sin of slavery. That is my theory. I, I believe, because I look at him and I go like, what did we do to deserve him? It must be slavery. You know, <laughs> this country is being punished for the original sin of slavery. It took a while, but here it is. Now, um... Uh, but I'm sad by it because we're embarrassment to the world. This is our president. I mean, even what's the guy's name in England? Boris, Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson. Yeah, he was humbled after he went through his experience. Now he's just singing the praises of national health. He felt the National Health Service in England. You know, it saved my life. You know, okay. It, but here, I don't know. It amazes me. I would. I'll tell you this though. Something I, I wish, I hope a lot of Trumpers take his advice. I'm going to be honest with you. Oh, stop. I hope there are a bunch of people out there. You know, oh, stop. I think I'll drink some bleach. Yeah. You, you, you got a hypodermic needle? Yeah. All right, let's let's break down your theory. First of all, let's start with the uh, that this is some kind of uh, karmic uh, uh, punishment for the original sin of slavery. The only problem with your well, the the problem, the biggest problem with your theory is that I think uh, Black Americans are getting hit hardest uh, by Trumpism. So once again, it's the people who were the original victims of slavery getting hit hard by the the karmic payback. If if what you're saying is true, yeah, we're getting it twice. <laughs> said that thing about the disinfectant and then he went on the riff right. about light ultralight and then he turns to the the doctor there i don't know if you watched the whole briefing uh but it, it was quite a performance well, I saw, it didn't see the whole thing i i just saw what he said what he spoke okay right all right and uh again there was your 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 first point was an excellent one this is exactly not the place for sarcasm this is a no. place where you want to come before people and reassure them and present them in a sobering way with the facts of the situation so that they can ha 
have their own assessment, be confident that you're, the president's in charge, he's in control of this uh, pandemic, or at least w our response to the pandemic. So making wisecracks, being sarcastic, this is not the spot for that. Absolutely. That said, no. he was clearly not being sarcastic at that moment. Uh, no, he wasn't. And so when you consider the mental capacities and the situation that Donald Trump's going in his brain, what do you think is going in his brain when he goes on that riff about the disinfectant? Uh, do you think that he actually believes he's reassuring Americans when he makes those kinds of claims? Well, there are those who are trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, saying that he's trying to put a more optimistic face on what's going on, because clearly he's over his head. He has no idea what to do. Um, and he's trying to reassure people in his own very stupid, clumsy way. Now, there's some people who buy that. I, I really believe that he really believes that. I, I really think, I really think that he gets these ideas in his head uh, about that. It's um, and for some reason he con he convinces himself that it's real. Now they that may be due to maybe he says, and I've heard this before. He's he's been showing signs of early onset dementia. Mm -hmm. Dementia. I have heard that by people. Um, I'm not an expert to say. Um, or there's some sort of mental, what's the word I'm looking for? Disarrangement going on in his head. But uh, something to me, it, after yesterday, it's clear to me something is seriously wrong. And I have to believe, well, I, I, I emailed a friend of mine yesterday about this. And But I have to believe that after yesterday, and I'm sure there have been other things, other times too, that there have been secret meetings in the White House where they're trying to figure out what are we going to do. I mean, you got to tell me that Mike Pence, after yesterday, didn't have some kind of secret meeting where he's discussing, you know what, we're, we're going to have to take a handle of this situation. This cannot continue because we can't go on like this. Well, well to it, the, it has to be it has, something has to be going on because I can't believe they think that this was fine. Well, well, I, I have to say this, Sergio. Listening to what you're saying, there was a, I've talked about this already today, but I'll I'll bring it back again. There was an article in the Tribune. It's, it was in the Sun. It's all over the place. There was a poll, and the poll showed that a, a lot, greater number of Americans have stopped listening to Donald Trump on the issue of the yeah. coronavirus, which mm -hmm. is uh, obviously does not bode well for his reelection. I don't know how anybody could say they're not listening to the president on this most serious matters where we would turn to our leader to lead us and then turn around and vote for the guy that they have no faith in at this critical moment. So I would say this sort of underscores the point that uh, Monroe and I have been making for a long time uh, that Donald Trump will not be reelected. All right, put that to his side. The same poll shows that over 70% of Republicans are listening to him and heeding him. And that, to me, is probably more frightening than the stuff that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. Because that suggests that a huge chunk of America has divorced themselves from reality. 
And I've been making this point for a long time now since Donald. You could argue, well, the election of Donald Trump was more or less like an experiment that American voters made. Uh, they said, you know what? We want to break from all tradition. We don't want the, uh, uh, you know, your usual type of politician that, represented by Hillary Clinton who always tries to say the right thing. And we're going to go with an extremist. You never know what he's going to say. We'll just see where that takes us. Okay. Yeah, and where did it take you? Yeah, right. this is where it's got us, and still 70% are following him off the cliff. So, Well, okay, two things, two mm-hmm. things. First of all, um, I had to take the polls somewhat with a grain of salt uh, because I, that's what probably they'll say to the pollster. Mm-hmm. But is that really what they believe? I always go back to what they call the Tom Bradley effect. Uh, for those of people who don't remember, Tom Bradley was the mayor of Los Angeles, of the black mayor of Los Angeles during the 80s and, and mid-90s. And he ran for governor mm-hmm. of California, or he ran for senator. I can't recall. He ran for governor but, in 1982. Uh, okay, he ran for governor, mm-hmm. right? And every poll had him leading way ahead. Every poll. Every poll. You know, it was going to be a blowout. And what happened? He lost. And everyone was wondering what happened. All the polls said that he was going to win. And he realized that a lot of people simply didn't want to say to the pollster, I don't want to vote for him because he's a black guy. They didn't want to say that mm-hmm. to a pollster. Yeah. Um, and you can, you can make the argument that a lot of Republicans, or I should say not a lot, but a fair number of Republicans are saying, I, you know, there's no way I'm going to vote for this guy again. But I can't really say that to a poster. So I'll say I support him. And then when they go in the, in the booth, wow. it's something else altogether. Now, here's the thing. Um, why? I've been reading the polls about bumps, uh, bumps, Trump versus Biden. And the av- it seems to be that Biden is ahead by, by average by only four points. And I'm like, after all this going on, He's always—he's only beating Trump right now by four points. That's not good. Now, yes, I know we still have what another six months left. Anything can happen, but I—I I would assume that he would be doing better just simply from Trump's performance for the last six weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we get into polls. Uh, this now we're going to take a tangent in the polls. I'd love to to go here. I noticed yesterday there was a poll released that Joe Biden is now ahead of Trump in um, almost every swing state. He's ahead of him in Florida. Yeah, I read that too. Right, yeah, he is. Yeah, and uh, so maybe what you're saying is true. Uh, two uh, two parts. Now I have never heard the theory. That's the first time I ever heard it. So I'll give you credit for that. I've heard the theory of of white people lying to polls for a long time. Uh, Dennis is a big advocate of this theory that uh, that white voters are it's different than the way you phrased it. White voters are afraid to tell poll or embarrassed to tell pollsters that they're going to vote for Donald Trump. So this is sort of the Tom Bradley impact. They don't want to s- reveal themselves to be racist, so they say, "Well, I'm going to vote for Tom Bradley," or "I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump," and then they turn around and vote for Trump or vote against Tom Bradley. So that's the the general theory. Uh, your theory that uh, that Republicans are too embarrassed to admit uh, wait they're I don't know they're afraid to admit that they're not going to vote for Donald Trump uh, so they say they are but they're going to turn around and vote against him that's your theory 
I don't know about that theory. That uh-huh. you, you think that's a uh, that's actually a, a factor playing right now? Well, no. I'm just talking. This is my idea. I'm just talking. Everybody, every, people can't say <laughs> that I'm nuts. I'm sure Monroe would agree with that. But um, <laughs> but um, I don't know. This is a theory I have right now. Whether that holds water, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I, um, but it's something I have right. It's a theory I have right now. Well, I can uh, because I, I can't believe. Yeah. I simply because I just can't believe that. The majority of Republicans, like seventy percent, as you said, are still supporting Trump. I really, after all that's happened in the last, just don't disregard the last six weeks. Yeah. How about the last three and a half, three and a half years? You're still going to support this guy? Yeah, there's a level of insanity embedded in it. By the way, there's also uh, so there's the white people who lie to pollsters, and there's the black people who lie to pollsters. And in the last couple of weeks, I've gotten messages from it. I forget how many people. I think you were one who sent me uh, an article about why black men support Trump. And uh, I've got it. I've, I've, at least three different people sent me this. Beca- oh, I think I did. I think I was one of them too, right. Yeah, right. And, yeah. and I, of course, feel that... Um, Black men lie to pollsters all the time in regards to Donald Trump. I've, yeah, but, but why would you lie that you're supporting Trump? What, 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 what do you get out of I don't know. Of, Listen, you're asking me know. to go into the psyche of a black man who lies to a pollster about why he supports Donald Trump. That's, that's asking me to go to a place I'm not quite I'm sure. I'm supporting what you just said. Yeah. yeah. You, just, you just keep up with it. I, don't, I never heard that I know. Before. I, I, I say it all the time. I, I believe they're lying. I believe they lied in uh, 2016. And I, and I say, I point to, I've put this challenge out to every time I get one of these articles, and I get them all the time. Uh, I so show me a precinct that's 99 to 100% black. And you know as well as I do, Sergio, there are many precincts like that throughout this country because we're still largely a segregated country. Show me a precinct where Donald Trump got 8% of the vote. I want to see that precinct. I can't see it. I've, I've, uh, wherever I look, I see he's always like at tops, one, maybe 2%, maybe. And I, I throw that challenge out and nobody's ever been able to uh, beat the challenge. So I remember back in 2004, there were polls that said that 20% of black voters voted for Bush, baby Bush. I was like, no way. So there's something wrong with pollsters and their in, their ability their, or their inability to get black voters to tell them the truth. And I think it's just the way it is with white voters. I mean, you said white voters lie to pollsters. Why wouldn't black voters lie to pollsters? Um, well, you have a point there. You just say everybody lies to pollsters. Um and also considering how wrong the polls were four years ago, or I should say back in 20, yeah, four years ago in 2016, why would you trust polls today? Um, the jury is still out on this, um, very much so. Um, but um, I am still not counting Trump out. Not yet. Wow. Uh, I, you know, I, I think 
he still may have a shot. Now, I will, now in terms of black votes, I will tell you this. One of the reasons why Hillary Clinton lost in 2016 was that the black vote was down 6% from 2012. And that probably made the difference in Michigan, and I think she also lost Pennsylvania. I think that, that definitely made the difference in Michigan and in Pennsylvania. And uh, that's not going to happen this time. It's definitely not going to happen this time. Uh, I think black uh, votership this year, well, once again, we don't know how this election is going to be. Uh, everything is up in the air. Yeah. But it'll be up. Because even though people may not be excited about Joe Biden, the main thing is to get Trump out of office. That is the main thing. And I'm going to answer Jay Marie because I'm looking at the chat. Yes, even if Kamala Harris is his vice presidential candidate, I'm still going to vote for Joe Biden. All right, let's get to that. Let's get to that. That's correct. Sergio's been coming on this show throughout the whole process, dutifully watching the debates, and uh, I was drinking the Kamala Kool-Aid, and Sergio was not drinking the Kamala Kool-Aid last summer. Uh, I stopped drinking the Kamala Kool-Aid after when she uh, retreated on her support for uh, Medicare for All. But uh, that that first debate against, I remember when she came out hard against Joe Biden, I was very impressed. And uh, it's clear to me that, this is my opinion on, that Joe Biden should uh, nominate as his uh, running mate a black woman. He's already said he's going to be a woman, so I I believe it should be a black woman. This is my belief. I wonder what your thoughts are. And so that means it's probably one of two people, Kamala Harris or or Stacey Abrams. Uh, As I said last time, Mm -hmm. um, forget Stacey Abrams. You know, she's got to win a race. I mean, she was a state senator. you you got to be a, was she a senator? Was she a, a congressman? Was she, you know, anything? I mean, please, you know, she lost a race. Now, yes, you can say she got cheated out of the race. There was, there was voters, a suppression. Uh, what was it, Georgia? Yeah, Georgia. Georgia, yeah. But she still lost, right? Okay, Kamala Harris was a senator. Okay, um, number two, um, uh, I, okay, if you, if, I predicted originally it was going to be Gretchen Wilmer of Michigan. Michigan, yes. Okay. I predicted that because um, she was out in front supporting Biden very early on. Uh, she's popular in the state, even though this is only her first term as a, as a governor. Um, and then I went from her to, and this was a wild card choice, to Tammy Duckworth. Because I said, well, Tammy Devlin would be a really interesting wild card choice. She's a person of color. She's a ruined Iraq veteran uh, from Illinois. She won Joe Walsh's old Congress congressional seat. And I thought it would be really interesting. But then I've gone back to Wilmer because ever since the whole pandemic uh, situation has broken out, she's been very vocal. Uh, Trump had, had her had uh, was one of those persons that Trump had in his crosshairs. He called her that woman from Michigan, and I go like, okay, she's um, uh, more visible. People know her more. She's been going at it with Trump. 
Maybe I should go back to Wilner. But, uh, and I will tell you right now, I'm still thinking it's going to be Wilner, but I'll take anybody. <laughs> I'll All take right. anybody. If it's Kim- Kamala Harris, if it's uh, Elizabeth Warren, if it's, if it's uh, um, you know, whoever. Nina Turner. You know, I don't care. I don't uh, care. All right, now. Uh, so you, what's your attitude, your current attitude about Kamala Harris? Sorry, Jay Marie, I still got problems with her, but I don't, I'm sorry. And no, she doesn't remind me of some old girlfriend. I thought someone said that. No. <laughs> I was going to ask you that question. I was going to ask I you. Even, I was wondering myself. I wouldn't even dare date anyone who, who was like her. Forget it. Okay. You know. All right. But anyway. All right. Okay. But, but yeah. um, uh, hey, I, you know, I Vegas, Vegas can't be choosing. I'll take anybody. Yeah. I'll take anybody. All right. You know? I, I'm pretty much of the same. I was very disappointed. One of the things, uh, the, the recurring themes in my exchange with Sergio down through before the virus hit, and we were really obsessed with the election. Man, things have changed, Sergio. Uh, I was, of course, very pro-Bernie, and, and Sergio was telling me all along, forget it, Ben, he won't win, he can't win, he's too left, uh, the country's not worried for him. After pointing out that you, Sergio, voted for Bernie in 2016. Um, yeah, that was a different time back then, right. Yeah, and... Uh, and, 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 you know, and my reasons weren't, I, I hate to say this, weren't exactly that different from some Trump supporters, which was, I don't want Hillary Clinton. You know, she's too much old school. You know, she she's um, um, tired. I'm, and I was tired of the Clinton. You know, will they just leave? Will they finally just go? You know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Bernie Sanders looked to me like a fresh breath of air. He looked like, I didn't agree, I didn't agree with everything he said, but it was a radical choice that I said we need to shake up the system, okay? And and I definitely was I definitely was supporting Bernie in 2012. Now four years later, Bernie's not the guy. He's not the guy. You know, he was the guy for me four years ago. Yeah. He's not the guy today. We did something else has to be done, and um, uh. I'm not, once again, I am not crazy about Biden. I wish he was 10 years younger. Mm. I wish he was a lot sharper, you know, than he is right now. But uh, the main thing is we have to get Trump out. I mean, we got to get him out. All right, well, with that. Because another four years, you think what we're going through is bad right now. Can you mention another oh, no, four no. years of Trump? That I, that's why I, I say I, I, I stand by my prediction that Donald Trump will lose. Uh, unless he, he figures out some way to uh, steal the election, which, of course, anything's pop, uh, possible. Uh, I'm now starting to believe, in, in terms of, of my Vegas bet, as who who Joe Biden will pick. Not who I want him to pick, but who I think he'll pick. Two separate things here. Yeah. After our interview uh, I did the other day with uh, Jill Wine Banks, I'm starting to think that he may go for Amy Klobuchar, and this is why I say this. Uh, Jill Weinbank said that uh, he needs to go have a younger running mate who uh, could convince Americans that if anything were to happen to Joe Biden, she could step right. in and be president. And right. I heard Joe Biden say the exact same thing uh, in his interview 
with James Corden that he did the other day. I actually watched that. I'm trying to see, you know, maybe I'm too hard on Joe Biden, uh, Sergio. Maybe I'm too critical. I'm going to start to listen. You know, maybe there's something there that I haven't seen yet. So I've been watching him more uh, in action. And uh, when, I, when, I, when I heard him say that, when I heard Joe Weinbank say what she said, I'm like, yeah, you know, my guess is that they figure, well, Amy Klobuchar, she ran for president. She was every, she, like everyone's third or fourth choice or so many Dems, third or fourth choice. Uh, so she projects uh, uh, an air of what uh, accomplishment uh, or experience. She might be a good person to position younger than Joe Biden, uh, but... Um, uh, but uh, with with experience uh, because of her position as senator. Uh, so what do you think hey, of look, Amy look, Klobuchar uh, these days? Uh, everybody comes in Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is not true. I think Bernie is older than Joe Biden. Uh, no, I'm talking about vice president. Oh, yes, yeah, right, you're right, yeah. So uh, are you feeling uh, for Amy Klobuchar these days? No, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not. Um <laughs> You know, unless does she still eat salad with a with a comb? I don't know. Uh, but um... <laughs> all right, let's switch things to the local level. And um, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, I've been having some fun uh, teasing Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And one of the things I've discovered a lot of blowback uh, from my uh, North Side neighbors. Uh, Sergio and Sergio likes to point out he is a lifelong South Sider, uh, born and raised in Hyde Park. Still lives uh, in Hyde Park and uh, has a different worldview than Northsiders. So it, my question for you is, do people in your neck of the woods, Sergio, have this love for Lori Lightfoot that people uh, in my neck of the woods do? Uh, well, I love the fact that you're president to Chicago. Say that again. Sergio, you there? You may have lost Sergio. I mean, I got him here, but he's not here. Hello, Did Sergio. You a phone call? Uh-oh, I don't know. Maybe you got a call from uh, A. Klobuchar on his phone. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Alan? No, no. Oh, oh, my God. Sergio, you there? You want to take a break? In the uh, yeah. Again? This is the first time this has happened. Yeah, it just all of a sudden went out. I was like, what is he going hmm. to... We're in suspense I here, know. so... What's he going to say about well, uh, Lori Lightfoot? Uh, we're going to call Sergio back. We're going to find out what's going on. Don't go anywhere. The Ben Jarofsky Show will continue. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from Ben's house. Sergio, are you there? Hello? Yeah, what happened? Hello? What happened? I don't know. You started to say something about Lori Lightfoot. The phone went dead. I go, oh, my God. The, the mayor is a powerful person. Cut the line. No, I. <laughs> you were going to say something nice about happened. her. Yeah. Anyway. That was weird. Yeah. So. Oh, uh, I'm getting scared now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> nice knowing uh -oh. you, Sergio. There, there goes the permit for the Black Harvest Film Festival. Uh-oh. Uh, so, yeah. So, are you and uh, people in your neck of the woods in love with Lori Lightfoot? Yeah, no, the, the, the thing I was going to say was everybody thought they're doing it. She's doing a really good job. She's doing an excellent job considering everything that's going on. And and so with Pritzker. I, I try to watch his press conferences every day um, or when I can. And um, uh, it's the way a press conference should be. He tells you what the situation is, uh, how things may continue into the into the near future. Um I would not have extended it another month. Uh, the stay in, the stay in order. 
I would have continued it for two weeks and see what the situation was, and then, if necessary, then extend it another two weeks. That's what I would have done. Um, just well, that's me. Um, uh, but I, I think the attitude here is that, like, I think they said that they're doing the best job. Lightfoot and Pritzker are both doing a good job. I know Cuomo gets all the acclaim uh, because his uh, press conferences are televised nationally. Uh, but I think Pritzker is doing just as good a job as Cuomo is. Well, I have to put ideology aside. Uh, almost, I watched Cuomo yesterday on Trevor Noah's show. And he was so effective at just in just being uh, empathetic, uh, smart. And I'm watching him go, this can't be the guy that I (laughs) was on the opposite side of almost every issue uh, that uh, Illinois, uh, that New York was confronted because I follow New York politics from afar. Uh, And uh, so, yeah, your, your basic points is a good one. It's an extraordinary time. And we get a sense of leadership capabilities and of the, of our leaders. And by and large, I too think uh, that Lori Lightfoot's doing a good job. But I do not believe she's beyond criticism or beyond poking fun of every now and then when she uh, doesn't follow her own advice. Uh, so that's my attitude about Lori Lightfoot. All right, uh, Sergio, now, you go ahead. Well, have, have you seen, of course everybody's seen Lori Lightfoot. Video, mm-hmm. you know what to do when you stay at home yeah. in shelter. Uh, have you seen Pritzker's video done at the aquarium with uh, Mr. Pritzker's penguins? Yeah, the penguins one. Yeah, yeah we, we riffed on that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah so they okay. You know they're trying yeah. to. You know, you know I I I, it's a, I don't know if you heard me, but I would not have extended it. Yeah, you stay did. Home order for a month. Uh, I would have done it for an additional two weeks to the end, to the middle of May, and then look to see what the numbers were, and then, if necessary, then extend it another two weeks. Mm. Yeah. In terms of, okay, this is me being cynical again. In terms of these models and the data that they released yesterday, that without the stay-at-home orders, uh, there would have been 30,000 people dead. Uh, being a cynic and I am, I kind of find it hard to believe. I, I, I am not sure about that. Uh, the other thing is something that Dr. Inike said about three weeks ago, which is something that really bothers me. And this is something he also doing in New York. And that is she revealed at the press conference that every death, so anybody who has the COVID virus, will be, and if they pass away, will be, they'll be recounted as a death from the virus, even though there was not the contributing factor. Now, that's unfair to me, because say if you have heart disease and you die of a heart attack, but they find out that you had the virus, then you will say you died from the virus. No, you died from the heart disease you had. So I, I think in some cases, the numbers are being inflated. Well, then because, the, the counter the argument is that the numbers were deflated at the outset because people didn't even realize uh, that the virus w- was as rampant as it was. So uh, I've heard the argument. Well, from- then you see, that, that, goes back, that goes back to, well, two articles. Mm-hmm. They, they go back to an article yesterday in the New York Times 
which I encourage everybody to read because it's something I have been saying for a long time. I, I've, I've talked to several friends, and these are friends, people I know who live in the West or on the West Coast. And about five, well, five of them, two of them I don't know. They're actually the daughters of a friend of mine. But the five people, they all came, became very, very ill with the exact same symptoms of COVID-19 back in December and early January. And it's just, they're all fine now. They all recovered. And I would say, I think this thing has been around for much, much longer. Mm. In, just, in New York Times had an article about this yeah. yesterday, about all these people, and this is particularly on the West Coast and in the Southwest, who are saying, I had it. I had it and I recovered. It wasn't in February when they were start recording like the first cases. People have been getting ill much longer before that. Uh, all so right. what are the real numbers? All right, Sergio, let's close it down with your recommendations. Uh, first of all, any will there be a Black Harvest Film Festival this year? Yes, we are still planning to have a Black Harvest Film Festival. We are still getting submissions in. Um, uh, I can't tell you what form it's going to be, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but we still will have a festival. We still have movies coming in. I, I, I guess I'm watching them as, as they're coming in, you know. So, um, um, you know, I will tell you because of the situation, there are some major films that now we probably will not get, uh, but that's what happens. Um, it, but it will still happen, you know. Um, and, you know, now anything can change, but um, we're still playing to have it. Once again, it'll be from August the 3rd, August the 3rd to September 7th. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I got the dates wrong. September 7th to, uh, I'm sorry, August 7th to September the 3rd. Okay. August 7th to September the 3rd. Those are the dates. Um, uh, we don't have to worry about the Olympics because they won't be happening this year. They've been pushed back to next year. Um, so there you go. Right. I mean, you'll find out more about it as the months go on. I'll be sure to give people, listeners, more information about it. But um, that is our plan, you know. Um, so there we go. Right. Uh, in terms of movies to recommend, yeah. Um, well, I don't know if people want to do this, but uh, I can recommend some. Okay, everybody wants to see Contagion. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I, I hear that Contagion is like the number one film being watched, downloaded, being watched online. Everybody wants to see Contagion. But there have been other movies, earlier films, that really kind of deal with the same subject matter. So I want to suggest some of those, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I want to give a shout-out to Lewis, who said that I recommended the Cassandra Crossing. Uh, he liked it. So I recommend to everybody else check out the Cassandra Crossing with, uh, let me see, who's got in it? Richard Harris, Sophia Loren, Martin Sheen, Ava Gardner, Burt Lancaster, and O.J. Simpson, <laughs> before he became a pariah, mm-hmm. uh, about a... Uh, train in Europe which has been contaminated by this virus 
any attempts to try to stop this train uh, before or a cure before the train, the people get off the train and it contaminates everybody. Uh, another film I recommend is from 1950, um, Ilya Kazan's uh, Panic in the Street mm-hmm. uh, with Richard Widmark and Jack Plant, in which Plant plays uh, a guy who um, is basically typhoid Mary. He's been infected with, uh, infected with uh, what's the virus called? Um, bubonic plague, and uh, Richard Whitmark is this medical, uh, naval medical officer who starts a search to find this guy before he contaminates, this takes place in New Orleans, before he contaminates the entire city and before it spreads out around the country. And by the way, people still get bubonic plague in the United States. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. <laughs> it's Thomas, a very right. sobering thought in the middle of this pandemic as I'm sitting right. in the attic. Well, if, if you People, duck this one, you get the bubonic plague. Right. There are, well, something like 100 people a year mm. in the United States still get the bubonic plague. So there you go. And then another movie I recommend from 1965 is The Satan Bug, uh, directed by John Sturgis which is about, uh, once again, a botulism um, (laughs) virus, which is stolen from a lab, and this mad millionaire threatens to contaminate the entire country by releasing it. Gee, that kind of sounds a little eerie. So, um, yeah, it's called The Satan Bug, right? So uh, those are three movies I recommend. All right, right? very good. If you're not depressed enough, yeah, watch these go watch them. All right, Sergio, thanks so much uh, for coming on. I appreciate it. We're going to take off right now. Uh, and well, We uh, have some updates here before we oh, roll okay. out of here. First off, everybody, make sure to download this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday at 5 a.m., all right, for all you early risers out there. Have a little breakfast and have a little Benny J bonus interview. Isn't that right, Ben? Nothing and, better than that. Well, nothing better than that. And then maybe do a little fishing. <laughs> Come here. Come here. The catfish I just got there. That was a bluegill. No, that was the last one. That was a catfish. Or maybe a little morning golfing. (laughs) By the way, D, did you see that dog just jump over the fence? No, for real? That happened? It was unbelievable. In the back alley? Yeah, the dog. The things I see in my back alley, the dog in the yard across the I mean, that's a gigantic fence. Uh Uh-oh. That's Sergio again. (laughs) Hey, Sergio, what's up? Sergio? Uh, I guess yeah. we're done with Sergio. We'll call. We'll talk to Sergio later. All right, but no. Uh, so the interviews, the Benny J. Bonus interviews, you should download. All right, uh, check it out. Saturday, Ace Attorney Jim Coogan. Oh, hey Ben, it's always a good time when Ace Attorney Jim Coogan comes by. Uh, all these are over the phone, by the way. We don't want any crazy people coming over to do interviews. Uh, socially distanced interviews. Jim Coogan on Saturday, Sunday. Monroe Anderson returns for uh, Monroe uh, weekend. No, I think it's he's on Monday. Isn't oh, he? yeah. Monroe Monday Wait, returns. We'll have to have a post-show meeting to discuss that. Yeah, yeah, we do have to have a post-show meeting. Either uh, Sunday or Monday, all right? Uh, we're not sure what uh, day these will fall on, but we got Monroe Anderson, legendary Chicago journalist, and another uh, legend in training, Miles Kampflassen from In These Times. We're going to be talking about uh, the election moving forward. Is he ready? Is he riding with Biden? Probably not. Uh, probably not. But... <laughs> 
You'll never know if you don't listen to this Benny J bonus interview. All right. And we do have an update on uh, today's Chicago City Council meeting part two. Uh, the following comes from Block Club Chicago. Mayor Lori Lightfoot has been granted emergency powers. She says will help Chicago combat the coronavirus, but which critics say are part of a power grab. The ordinance <laughs> passed 29 to 21. Wow. Wow. 29 to 21? I know. That's like a good football game. No. <laughs> a little, there's a little life left in some of those aldermen. They're showing a little. This comes from Kelly Bauer and Hannah Alani. The ordinance gives Lightfoot unprecedented emergency powers, including the ability to re, uh, reallocate funds within the city's 2020 budget, enter million dollar contracts, and lease company or, uh, and, and lease and occupy property at no risk to the owners, all without city council wow. approval. Guys, I'm telling you, the problem in the city of Chicago is not that the mayor has too little power. It's that the mayor traditionally has too much power. Uh, and I say this. Oh, no, here they come. Look out, D. Look, my neighbors, they're coming at me from the north side. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pink flip-flops. I love Lori on the north side of Chicago. Yeah, so know. that was uh, some very interesting news. 29 to 21. Wow, 21 aldermen had the guts to vote against Lori Lightfoot in this proposal. The reality is this, ladies and gentlemen. She, Lori Lightfoot, will get the money she needs uh, anytime she asks for it from the city council. I don't know why she needs to have these powers. But 29 aldermen disagreed with me, D. So once again, I'm in the minority. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yes, you are. Yes, uh, you are. That's where I am when it comes to Chicago politics in the minority. And always remember, uh, reach out to us. We have an email account, all right? BennyJShow at gmail.com. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J, show at gmail.com. I saw our friend Jim sent us an email. Uh, we'll take a look at that after the show today, Jim. Uh, also find us on social media. Same handle, Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, uh, on Facebook and Twitter. And we have a phone number, guys, 708-658-4788. Call us up, 708-658-4788. Uh, Babs, I know you're pumped about this. Call us up, leave us a voicemail, and we will play your voicemail on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Please watch your language. Very good. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sergio Mims, for uh, coming on. Got a couple more interviews after this. Uh, Dr. D and I will be hard at work. And speaking of Dr. D, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy in Alton, Illinois, without whom we could not do this show. And as you know, everybody, back home in Alton, they call it white lining. Give yourself a raise. Take another petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Oh, he loves snapping. Hey, live stream chat. Live stream chat. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Feel free to weigh in on the live stream chat whenever and always check us out live. And if you missed any of today's show, go download it. Chicago Sun-Times, uh, Chicago Reader websites, wherever else you download your favorite podcasts.
But we got to get down to business. I'm not a doctor. That's correct.